guys, I'm Adam Rapport, and this is the Bon Appetit Foodcast. All right, before we get started on this week's show, I want to put another call out for emails. Uh, next week, Carla Music, our buddy Gabe T and I are recording our peak summer cooking podcast, and we want questions from you. It could be about, I don't know, grilling, like how do you grill a whole fish and not have it stick to the grills? could be, are those $5 a pound heirloom tomatoes at the green market actually worth it? Hit us with any and all of your summer cooking, grilling, entertaining questions. And now, this week, we have on Riyadh Nasser and Lee Hansen, chef owners of Frenchette here in New York City, winner of the James Beard Foundation's Best New Restaurant in America. After cooking together for decades at Balthazar and Pastis and Manetta Tavern here in New York, uh, Riyadh and Lee decided that it was finally time to open their own restaurant. However, it took them literally six years to do so. Uh, I talked to them about how and why that happened, what it was like to go from managing kitchens to owning your own business, uh, and how they got Frenchette to be such a cool, buzzy, fun restaurant. All right, let's do this. I feel getting this podcast going has been as difficult as you guys opening Frenchette. <laughs> I don't know what you've suffered through. <laughs> exactly. Has it taken six years? <laughs> it did take six years, but it took a long time to get you guys through security and then finding the right floor and then all the headphones were tangled up. The mics didn't work. Emma didn't realize you had to plug in the headphones for them to work. I roll over there. Yeah. It was a little Freudian going up and down and through the tunnel. But and we got I, here. And you're yeah, on after yeah. all these years, finally. Wow. Yeah. So I, I really, like, I've known both of you guys for a long time through that kind of semi-professional circles of like writing about restaurants and whatnot. But then I also realized that I was eating your food long before I knew you um, when I certainly had gone to Danielle, restaurant Danielle uptown many times back in the day. Uh, and I was like, okay, I guess I was eating your food then also. Is that where you guys met or where did you first come together? It was the first date, Lee. Do you remember? <laughs> well, you guys really are like an old Jewish couple. So much nicer when he tells it. Is it really? Yeah. Uh, okay. So we did meet at Danielle, and that was the year uh, April 93. Mm -hmm. And Danielle just opened his own place. He left Le Cirque to do his own restaurant. So this is what, actually the old Cafe Balloud space. So yeah. you're on 76th Street. Yeah. Yeah. Which is... Uh, which was the first Danielle, and then he moved up down uh, lower after that. But uh, yes, we met uh, April opening, so craziness. Oh, how uh, old are you guys at that point? We were twenty-five years younger, right? You got <laughs> you got the smooth jazz voice going, Lee. I'm, I'm really thinking <laughs> yeah. about uh, making a jump to uh, radio. I think Easy listening. You got a little Howard Stern thing going. Yeah, I gotta say, yes, I'm the loud, pushy Jewish guy. <laughs> yeah. Was one of you like higher up the chain at that at the point when you met? He was a sous chef. I was brought in as saucier. Oh, saucier. Yeah, saucier. Yeah. So if you're at the saucier at a restaurant like Danielle, is your job literally just to make the sauce every day? Sauce and cooking and grilling. Or cook, cooking all the meats. Oh, okay. And doing all the sauces. It's basically, yeah, the meat. You're in charge of all the Remember meats. Remember about hitting the table. No hitting the table. Sorry. <laughs> so, so there you've got, like, the baby lamb, and you've got the tenderloin of beef with the red wine sauce. Are you, like, starting every day by making the veal stock and stuff? Or, like, who's literally doing that sort of thing? Day crew would do uh, stocks and base jus. Um, what's, what's a base jus? Like a veal jus, a mm -hmm. chicken jus, roasted chicken jus, duck jus, game jus, uh, you know. 
ba- just all the basics. All to, the basics if you work in a fancy your, French your restaurant. Your building block to, to yeah. build a sauce afterwards. We didn't really have a butcher there. We had a butcher who would sort of break things down primally, but didn't do any portioning and sort of some of the fine stuff. So I would do that. And What uh, time did you get to work? I mean, I used to get in there a little bit later than, than most. That's my crazy <laughs> lifestyle. <clears throat> People were getting in there like at 10 o'clock in the morning to be ready for 6 o'clock. Oh, for 6 o'clock dinner. That's for six o'clock. Wow. And you guys weren't doing lunch they, at that they were, were we salary? We were salary sort of there, right? We were not paid by the hour. We were paid by salary. It was against labor laws at the time, I think. Right, we are salary. This is not like <clears> in France where you work a 35-hour work week and you go home. No, we were working hours. easily 80 hours a week, I'm sure. Wow. Pretty much that. And, How many uh, days a week? We were six. six days at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So you only close Sunday, so it was six days. Everybody yeah, so you it. were yeah. coming in, you were butchering some primal cuts into yeah, yeah. Break, break, serving Breaking size. things down, yeah. getting that station ready. Lee was a uh, sous chef and a kind of sous chef in charge of fish side, mostly, right? So mm-hmm. sous chef at that point, at a restaurant like Danielle, you've got Danielle himself, who's still very <coughs> much in the game at that point, in the oh, kitchen, yeah. yelling at everybody. Sure. Then below him was who? Uh, Alex Lee, oh, Alex Chef Lee. de Cuisine. All right, so then it's him, Danielle, him, you next? Yeah. Then me yes. and Philippe Bertineau were. Oh, Philippe Bertineau. So uh, this has been sort of mentioned before, but I feel it's interesting whether you're in, in media or in restaurants, there are, there are those moments when something starts and being part of that moment, whether, again, whether it's a new publication, a music scene in a certain city, whether it's Seattle in the 90s or... New York in the early 70s, mid-70s. Um, at Danielle, there was a lot of chefs who worked there who went on to pretty prominent things. You guys, Chang, Philippe. Al- I mean, like, did you at the time recognize that this was a pretty talented group of people you were working with? Oh, definitely. I think, uh, I mean, all the major, the big chefs kind of attract those. They're like hubs of uh, various chefs who come in and go out. Uh, Danielle was definitely one of those. Yeah, even the cooks. A lot of the cooks we work with, Michael Anthony, was a cook when we were there. Jonathan Bennett was a cook when we were there. Michael Anthony's now with that Untitled, all that sort of stuff, and Benno Benno. with his restaurants. Was it competitive among you guys on that that lower rung, or were you just trying to survive with Danielle? Exactly. It was all like, uh, you know, you're in a a boat going onto onto the shores of uh, (laughs) Normandy. 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 So you're you're paired off and, and trying to keep everybody afloat. All right, Riyad, what is the most pissed off Danielle ever got at you? Uh, you, you know, we had a pretty good relationship. Uh, I mean, I, I could kind of get pissed off too. Um, you know, I think the French helped with that. The most pissed off, you know, there was just once where, you know, he kind of just put me uh, in my place early on, and he didn't really need to do it after that. You know, well, it was, how it was he, an how it was, did he put you in your? I mean, place? it was an overcooked duck, you know, or overcooked according to to maybe him or the customer. <laughs> I think it was pretty spot on <laughs> according to me and uh it came back and he just got in my face and just dressed me down like pretty 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 brutally in front of everybody it, yeah in front of everybody yeah. yeah just yeah i was a worm you know i'm still a worm you know uh he made his point at that point i was probably feeling a little bit big for my britches i'm a little loud mouth sometimes and uh he put me down you know that was his moment to say this is uh this is my kitchen not yours okay <laughs> and this is my duck not your duck so it's interesting. That was a long time ago, 25 years ago. And obviously, kitchen culture has changed a lot uh, over the last 25 years. Certainly, I would think over the last two years with all this going on in restaurants. With you guys coming from that world, but now being in this day and age, 
how do you run a restaurant like Frenchette, given where you, given where how you grew up, and what the restaurant industry is like now? We still have that. We still have a pretty traditional brigade system. Which um, means what exactly? Which means you have. Well, we don't have a chef de partie and commis, but we have, you know, stations that are still pretty traditional. We have an entremet station, which is vegetable-focused and maybe hot appetizers. We have a grill station. We have a roast station. We have a fish station. We have garde-manger. And we kind of have the same sort of breakdown in terms of sous-chefs that Danielle... Like, we took that model, basically, that, you know, we were brought up in and have been sort of following that but you also, playbook but you, but you also have an open kitchen at Frenchette, and as diligently as you guys work and anyone who's been there can just look in they see both of you with your heads down typically i don't hear you guys yelling at anybody there's, there's a sound barrier but it's uh <laughs> there's some yelling going on i mean that's the thing i think your first question was kind of alluding to that like has a the, the, the kind of dress downs and, the, yeah, and the, screaming I, at people like and that, perhaps physical intimidation yeah. has gone down over the years definitely for sure um but there's a way of being um you know, we're very folks that we do, and we want everyone to be on their game and and to and to keep everybody at that without being, you know, uh, a, a dick about it. You know? Yeah. It's like, I mean, and, that, and it, respecting people. You um, know, you, sometimes you do have to yell at and raise your voice. That's the only way to get things across. Well, it's loud to begin with. The kitchens are loud, so you're 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 calling out orders loud. You know, yeah. you're battling a makeup air and an exhaust system and pots and no, pans and that. all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. it's it's loud to begin with. So you kind of have to over the din, which is loud, you know, kind of project. So that is already kind of intimidating. I mean, I think the difference is there's no uh, harboring of anything. And if there is some words exchanged, there's usually a makeup. Mm-hmm. There's very definitely a makeup, you know. I mean, Lee and I both say hello to our, we say hello to your cooks. You say goodbye to your cooks. You say thank yeah. you for your for your thing. You have you have a moment there. And if somebody had a particularly bad, bad day, when it kind of calms down a little bit, you got to you got to sort of explain what you wanted or why it went down or why it went south and 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 kind of you know build them up yeah. a little bit. I think bit. what's unique about the restaurants is that you know in just comparing it to magazines <coughs> at least when our business was making a magazine once a month and there was the week that we would ship the magazine and that things would get a little crispy and a little intense in that mm-hmm. week and there was a few days where everything would kind of come to a head and frustrations would boil over and tempers would get lost um but I do think, to your point, like there, I've I've been that person several times before. Like I've sent an email afterwards, like you know what? Sorry about that. I shouldn't have. You recognize that I think we sort of lose our temper, but then you've got to sort of like that's not a way to sort of run a business, and we're all in this together. No, yeah, you have to acknowledge your your mistakes as well, and you know I you know I make them. Uh, you know we both make. I mean we all make them, but you have to also. You can't lose sight of the humanity. Yeah, <laughs> you know, no, and, 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 and in it together, you're going to, I always say you spend a lot more time with your coworkers than you do with your spouse and children. Well, absolutely. The other thing is, we, you know, we've gotten a little older, so mm-hmm. I mean, a lot older. Twenty-five so years older. 20, Twenty-five <laughs> years older, so you can roll things roll off a little bit yeah. uh, easier, and you've kind of been there. You can see when someone is kind of about to lose it, and screaming is not going to help. Yeah, you know, it's the exact opposite. You want to slow things down. Okay, so did Danielle and the kind of that was sort of the most high profile high-end restaurant in the city at the time. You then segued to Balthazar, which opened 97? Yeah. Uh, down in Soho, Keith McNally, and that was, I would say, was and still is the most glamorous, bustling, energetic restaurants the city's ever seen. Uh, what was fascinating about Balthazar 
and Keith has talked a lot about this, like the restaurant was famous, the chefs weren't. It wasn't a celebrity chef restaurant. And it seemed like Keith was pretty adamant about that. Did you guys realize that going in? Was that something you were okay with? Or were you like, yeah, we'll let the restaurant be the star. And were the guys running the kitchen? Uh, yeah, I think we were fine fine with that. I, you know, we understood the concept of the restaurant. And mm-hmm. we were trying to create um, a timeless place and put a menu together that would be also timeless and classic uh, and, and just, you know, live a long, long, healthy life. So we didn't really need to sort of impose chefy things, you know. We needed to run a tight ship. But but that was at odds. This is so late '90s when the whole celebrity chef thing is really taking off. Like the Food Network at that point was really beginning. Like it had lift off, and like the Bobby Flays of the world. That's like when they were really coming into their own, and, and and. that's what was interesting with you guys. It's like, oh, here you are in the most high-profile sort of the place to be, but yet you were both very under the radar, and and it seemed like it seemed like you guys were okay with that. I can never, I didn't know you well back then at all. I have no idea. I mean, also we're doing a thousand covers a day. <laughs> we didn't have time to really think about anything else but um, making sure the fries were crispy. <laughs> you know? I mean, in literally, when you say a thousand covers a day, that's not an exaggeration, right? No, no I mean, that's like tavern on the green numbers exactly. Back in the day. Yeah. yeah, but we were never. I don't know if the celebrity chef is their personality. I don't know if that was ever us to begin with. Even with Frenchette, I don't see us being these kind of. Uh, those types of chefs uh we always kind of just like being in the kitchen that was where we were most comfortable and working with everybody yeah yeah i mean uh, you both have these smooth jazz soft voice i hear <laughs> right. no, yeah you're not outlandish over the top she- personality chefs whereas like some of those guys come along who are like do you even have a restaurant anymore or are you just doing like shows and cookbooks and you're a quote-unquote chef yeah i think we both like slugging it out and, yeah. and and that was the thing and sort of leading from that example uh, with our with with our crews, so so what was that, it like about there? So it it opens, it has just a tidal wave of press. Everyone from Anna Wintour to Madonna to you name it is there on a seemingly daily basis. At first, when it opened, breakfast was just kind of pastries and stuff. You eventually did full breakfast, but from noon to I imagine two a.m., it seemed like it was always full, and yeah. and there was never a break. No. What was that like? I don't understand. Like, how do you put? It feels like you're playing. You're like a football player, like just putting your body through that daily punishment. I mean, that how, what kind of? What was that grind like? What was physically? What was it like? Oh, for sure, it's it's excruciating. But um, you know, there's also a a level of you know the restaurant business is kind of like a drug, and and certain personalities like ourselves need that kind of energy to feel productive and feel good about ourselves, and so that energy feels great to run around and go up and down the stairs and and uh, just be in that hectic environment, and it, it well, I don't But I imagine it's pretty consuming, and that becomes your life. It does, yes. Yeah. yeah it's out of, it, you're, out of, you're out of balance. <laughs> You're totally out of balance. Okay, you, you know, okay, we maybe not, you know, alcoholics or uh, drug users. I, I don't think we could and still, you know, function in that restaurant. It was that it was kind of that busy. But I think, uh, you know, personalized. You know, it takes a toll on it your on your toll. family life. You know, f- me physically, I had double knee replacement. You know, right. when did that <laughs> two happen? years ago. Two, I remember that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, which was nuts or partial anyway. I and mean, I know it wasn't only that, but yeah, there was a set of stairs there at Balthazar, and I was up and down those stairs. I don't know how many times a day. Think about it. And once everything is up and running at Balthazar, 
what was your what was your schedule like? When would you get there? When would you, when would you work till? Well, you know, a year in or two years in, we opened Pastis. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember that ninety nine. And that you know was was good, totally manageable until something happened in the meatpacking district that just it, the switch went off, and that restaurant went from kind of like really kind of like. On the edge of town to in the middle of town. People are in New York. The meatpacking district is just like this, like nightlife scene now. But at the time, there were actually still meatpacking plants there. You were on the edge of town, warehouses. For sure. And I remember when Keith opened Pastis, across the street was that little bar, Rio Mar, great little Spanish restaurant. And there was Florent, the old sort of hipster 24-hour diner. And there was nothing else there. No. Like literally nothing else. No. And now it's like you're on the strip in Vegas. Yeah. It's crazy. And then the yeah. Gansevoort Hotel opened yeah. across the street, and that kind of changed the complexion of yeah. the neighborhood. Yeah. And so I imagine be- you were doing probably how many covers a day there? Oh, it was insane. I mean, insane with the patio outside, 1,500 covers a yeah. day at least. I don't know. Something like that. Crazy, many, crazy numbers. It's had to And everything done by hand, the outside. Right? Yeah. And so. what, how much of a staff at each place were you managing? Monsters. Probably um, 70, 60 in the kitchen. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm exhausted just talking to you guys. And so I kind of got, <laughs> we got Pastis, we got Bowser, then Schiller's Liquor Bar opened, and then Minetta Tavern opened in the late 2000s. Yeah. And at that point, when you guys migrated over to Minetta, was, did you have to stop worrying about Balthazar and Pastis? Was that all, sort of off your plate? No, we overs- we still had to oversee. I mean, we oversaw all. We had CDCs uh, installed. Chef de yeah, chef de cuisines at, at the, each of the stores. But um, we would kind of rotate. We'd do like, uh, uh, I guess at that point, Minetta maybe became a home base where... Uh, Balthazar was prior. Balta- yeah, exactly, prior. Yeah. And we would we would split it up. It'd be like one week, uh, or Lee would be at Pastis, and I would be at Balthazar, and maybe he would travel between Pastis and and Schiller's, and uh, we just rotate, rotate. But we would try and stay consistently at one. Okay, and Minetta was obviously a smaller restaurant, yeah, a more exclusive. Black Label Burger got famous for, yeah. but but then how did you guys? And as we sort of get to Frenchette, where you were there together, cooking in the kitchen together. And I know you get this sort of question asked a lot, but that many years in, did you need your space from each other? It kind of naturally happened because we had to be in different restaurants all the time. Yeah. Uh, so because, yeah, because we were separate to, to oversee four restaurants, we didn't spend a lot of overlapping time together. Once yeah. this goes. I mean, once you open one there, you're, you're together for six months because you have to get, that's how long it takes to get a place going. At least. All right, so I'm going to fast forward here a bit. You guys eventually decided to go solo, and this was about six years ago. Okay, so what the hell took so long? <laughs> like, how is it really that hard to open a restaurant in New York? The the five year gap, or yeah, or, the five year gap. Like, it or, should not take or five slogging years it out for sixteen years and then deciding making well, that decision. Well, then a, or, a, a decided yeah. to stay married and like <clears> open <throat> a restaurant together. Like, mm-hmm. the, I think the natural thing at that point, like Kevin Durant or whomever, you're like, all right, I did this, I proved I could do this with this, and now I'm going to go my own way and do my own thing. <laughs> What? So whose decision was it? Like, was that even a decision, or did you know you were going to stay together? Well, we signed a contract uh, when we first met 25 years ago. That we, uh, <laughs> in blood. Uh, and we still have another 10 to go yeah. on that. So, uh, but uh, No, I mean, we did have a couple of years where we had a stalled project, and then— um, but, no, wait, but, 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 but let's get back to the let's. When you decided to leave Mineta, and we don't have to get into that whole sort of thing, but was it just a given that you were going to stick together as a team? That's all we knew. Yeah, that the, you know— 
you know, we started yeah, cooking maybe. together to, to do a restaurant together. And yeah, we opened, you know, Balthazar and we did some great, incredible restaurants and we did them together, but they still were, it still wasn't our restaurant. Yeah. You were not owners. Did yeah, you, we not, you have a piece of Mineta? Yes. We, yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. Did yeah. you try to buy Mineta when you guys got out? We made a, um, we took a swing. <laughs> we, took a swing. <laughs> we took a pretty feeble swing. <laughs> yeah. You know. Keith yeah. was like, I'm good. I'll keep this. Pretty, yes. he's, he's good. Essential. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty much. You know. Uh, yeah, we didn't. Uh, I mean, that was the whole. Edu- oh, you talk about that five-year gap in between. It's a whole education, really. You know. You know. You know. Breaking up, amicable or not, is hard to do. Yeah. Pardon the pun. It's. You mean you with you guys with Keith or you guys yeah, with each other? With 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 Keith, just yeah. uh, just even trying to sort it out. Uh, you know, just to try and keep you know everything sort of intact. So you, you guys know. had to deal with like getting bought out. From him, essentially, kind of, yeah, but, yeah. You were deciding to leave on your own, and yeah, so that was yeah, complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lawyers, I imagine. Yeah, it was you know litigious in the sense that you know there there were contracts or lack of contracts really that mm-hmm. you know we needed to sort of uh, understand and <laughs> and work through. I'm trying to yeah. be really cool. <laughs> it, it was it, it is uh, it was a, a learning experience, and I'm sure it was a learning experience for him as well. You know. Uh, he had 16 years of, you know, uh, to, to, you know, sort of rock-solid employees or partners to a degree. And, uh, and you know, the time had come for us to sort of move on. We saw that. We saw that, you know, the company, as, as, as it was growing, wasn't growing in a direction perhaps that we wanted to grow in. You know, you know we still needed, you know, personal fulfillment. And we wanted to call all the shots. We wanted to do a place. Yeah. You know, that's all. So you decided, like, we're going to do this together. Yeah. The first word I heard from you guys was, this was a, several, however many years ago, four years ago or something. You're like, yeah, we're looking, we're going to open at the Don Quixote space in the Chelsea Hotel, which is this amazing old school Spanish restaurant with the beautiful neon sign out front and the historic Chelsea Hotel where every yeah. bohemian and poet and everybody's yeah. been. Yeah. What the hell happened there? Yeah, lots happened there. That's, that's, <laughs> it's still not open. So it's, you can yeah, the hotel is still not open. That whole hotel project. It's, and it's the, a mess. And the character who's trying to, it's, it's so that, was that a lot of lawyers and stuff going on? Like, Event, short of that. Eventually, yeah. Yeah. We left Keith without a really strong exit strategy. Mm-hmm. So we took a bit of time to sort of look for spaces. You know, I always tell people, don't leave, job, don't leave a job until you know you have another one. Yeah. You, yeah. That's great advice. But you didn't follow that. Certainly not. No, we didn't have money. We didn't have any of that, uh, you know, or backing, yeah. you know, or any of that stuff. So uh, you need to be sort of a little bit better prepared. So eventually you got sense. some sort of a, an equivalent of a severance from Keith in terms of whatever that buyout yeah, was. Yeah. So that could sort of carry you float, for a little bit. Float. But does that float you for five years? Though? No, it, cer- it certainly doesn't. And and but we found we found Chelsea, and that was supposed to be a two-year project. We actually probably shelved a project that we thought we were going to get. Um, that space would have been amazing. Which one? The one that we shelved? No, Don Quixote. <laughs> yeah, El- 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 Quixote. yeah, yeah. El- that was initially El Quixote. Anyways, amazing that, bar, it, it, long, beautiful bar, incredible rooms, oil paintings, in- in- just incredible a slice booth. of slice of New York that you know that it's the kind of thing that you crave. And you, you would know. have had to do very little to it other than just give it a, a clean up and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Put yeah. it in the kitchen, new yeah. kitchen, yeah, yeah. 
So, uh, but, so you stuck with it for that long, thinking that we'll work this out? Well, at what point did you realize El, like, this El, is not going to work El, out? El Quixote turned into the entire F&B for the entire uh, Chelsea Hotel, Hotel okay. project. So it turned into not just that restaurant. It turned into a, a rooftop. It turned into uh, another uh, concepted restaurant that we were working on. It turned into lobby, bar, everything. lobby everything. bars, everything. Uh, everything. It turned into a big, big thing. Which is a thing now, like, you know, you see the guys, you know, like at the Nomad group with like Dan and Will and stuff, mm-hmm. and they just open the Nomad Hotel in Vegas, and mm-hmm. you're doing, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. from soup to nuts, mm-hmm. it becomes big business, big yeah. potential money, yeah, if you do it right. Yeah. So, yeah, so we spent two years designing all that Concepting stuff. Concepting it. Back of the house, Pretty the much, basement, yeah. the kitchens, everything. Yeah. And names, concepts, menus, and all Not that Not so much stuff. names, but... but um, what each would be and yeah. how it would operate, and then Pretty at much. what point did you know you needed to pull the ripcord? It just seemed like the lays were uh, not going anywhere. They, they weren't being cleared up, so we, yeah, we changes were being made. There was some infighting, and then we're definitely. It's like this is going to take a while. We have to get out. Yeah, they they were stalled, and I think we were you on retainer at any, any at that point? Were you guys develop, didn't pay anything? Development fee. Development fee. Yeah. And was that a one-off thing, or you gonna was it like a monthly sort it of? It was payment? kind of monthly. Yeah. Yeah. Not not really enough, but you know, it's, and it's you know as their delays grew, you know, it's just. Within the contract, there, are, uh, you know, there's a certain sort of payback to the amount of development fee that you can you can take. But, you know, and then somebody had some one of the partners had a great idea to, oh, you guys are sitting on the sideline. Let's just open a restaurant, and that wasn't so cool with the other partners. Ah. Okay, so that sort of erupted, and you know, there so that further that seg- further segmented there uh, or further fractured what was going on there. Now, was that restaurant, did that become Frenchette or is that a different no, project? No, no, that, 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 that became a nothing. We were looking at spaces Jesus. and then we realized, okay, we're, and, and, and then we sort of got stuck the way the deal was structured. You're, you're kind of, uh, there's, there were non-competes, but um, they, they sort of leverage a little bit the non-competes against, uh, against, breaking our contract, so mm. to speak. So, for so your four years post-Mineta, at this point, are you like, well, what the hell are we doing with ourselves? Like, are we cursed? Like, what, were you just like, we just need to leave New York? Or what What was going through your mind at that point? What were your sort of options? Once we broke free of uh, Chelsea, which was, I think, in the spring of 15 or 16. So it took a year to... 16. It took a year to break up. Um, we pretty much found... Frenchette, which was the old Circle Rouge space, probably two months later. So we kind of went right into oh, so it. Right into yeah. it. Yeah. And then the did negotiation you, at the space then, took a few months. And but it, then did you have to did you have to find investor partners yeah. or did you already no, have No, we had ones? to do that. Yeah. So you had to go and find guys like, hey. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about that. So you, you find the space. It's in Tribeca, just south of the canal. Was an old French bistro. You guys zhuzhed it up. Beautiful lighting, beautiful layout, a lot of beautiful woodwork. I don't know anything about woodwork, but I love the wood there. So, how much does that cost? Are you spending like a million bucks to open a restaurant? Like five million? It was not five million dollars. Yeah. How is that possible? You, you just like every so just the whole. That's the, what it costs. To open a restaurant out. from scratch like that, especially but, the like we had to dig the basement out. Really? Because the basement wasn't high enough to have a hood, so we had to go down two feet. Uh, that particular area of Tribeca, the water table is two feet below that, so there's all kinds of engineering shit you got to do, and it's just. Um, it just adds up. Plus, it took a year and a half to build. And at that point, no one's making money. Right? No yeah. one's mm-hmm. making money um, over budget. You know, sometimes you go over budget for reasons you are on you can't control. And then there's sometimes you're like, well, do we prefer the zinc bar made, you know, in one piece, preferred to a wood, you know, wood, yeah. uh, bar top that's cheaper, but 
you're like, well, aesthetically, we have to go with the more expensive one. So you kind of well, make I would say one thing coming from your McNally days, that's one thing I think everyone always appreciated, whether they knew it or not, about Balthazar and Pesci. It's like, oh, those are actually hand-tiled mosaic floors. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. actually a zinc bar that was brought in mm-hmm. from Paris. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. you, it feels real because it is real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you just intuitively know that as a customer. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so at that point, you're like, oh, God, we're a year and a half over. We're insane budget. And then you're also paying rent at this point. Yes, uh, we were paying rent pretty. We paid half rent for well, a while, we had, but then we, we had six months, six months half. So you basically had and it. rent these days is what like eighty grand a month or something. It's not that bad, no. but it's so, I, all I right. Think, so you're paying sixty grand a month in rent. A little better than that. A little better. All right, fifty, <laughs> forty, maybe a little better. Maybe. Really? I thought we got. A, I think we got. A, we got a good deal. No, I think we got a fair deal. I think uh, it was uh, an upgrade over his previous tenant. You okay. know, pre- we'd actually kicked the tires on that space when we first left Balthazar. Hmm. We knew it was underperforming, and yeah. we had an idea that something cool could happen there. Um, but so I think we negotiated a, a, a proper deal. I How think many it's years worth is the lease? it. He's happy. We're happy. Yeah. How many years is lease? Fifteen plus 15. five. Okay. Yeah. So we were going to build with the intention of permanence. You know, uh, it'll probably outlast at least me. Yeah. At least your knees. You got a hip replacement. Leah's yeah. spry. I'm, yeah. I'm less than spry. So, but the the challenge is, anytime you start a business, the more money you need to get it up and running, the more investment you need to take on. But the more investment take on, the less you own of it. Is that correct to say? Yeah, well, I think we structured our deal. First of all, it's I mean, we did it kind of old school. I mean, we didn't we didn't have a big whale. You know, we didn't really mm-hmm. have any investors in our pocket. We had friends and you know family that you know believed in the project or believed in us. So yeah, but does family our, know a restaurant costs five million dollars? Well, open? no, well yeah, <laughs> like, sure. Well, maybe, yeah, it's like maybe you give you ten thousand dollars. It's five when you kind of keep adding everything, everything, yeah, everything yeah, that you're still paying for. What's the wood called? I think I looked it up one, like Sidel or something? Uh, Sapelli. Sapelli. Which is cheaper than mahogany. Cheaper than mahogany, <laughs> but it looks just, fancier. Uh, it's just, it looks fancier. All right, so you, you yeah, finally, you get through it all. You're like, wow, we just dropped $5 million, paying all this rent. Like, now we got to hire a staff, but people wanted to come work for you because they know you guys. You've been around for a long time. It seemed like an interesting project. Cool name. And they, so you hire your crew, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> we hired a crew, some of them pretty early. So yeah. Did you have to keep them on retainer until the place yeah, opened? Yeah, of course. We did. Yeah, we, like, oh, we'll be open by July, but then July becomes we did. We hired we had, some people. We hired our general had, manager in August. We didn't open until the following April. See, that's crazy. But yeah. we thought we were going to open in the, in the yeah. fall, and everything gets pushed back. So, uh, I mean, there was, there was work to be done, but, you know, it's you have somebody leave a key position for a key position. You know, if you, you want to keep them, you think you have to do, you have to do the right thing. So uh, people were really good. You know, it wasn't necessarily full salary. You know, everybody suffered, yeah. you know, financially to get the place uh, open. Any other knee replacements among the group or are you the only one? I, th- I think, no, no. <laughs> just, just react. It was just, ulcers? It was just me, this ulcers. Okay, but then what's insane about restaurants is you don't get rewarded for effort. Not Well, in a sense you do, but in a sense you do There's no guarantee for effort. You could have gone through all this. You could have dropped five mil, spent two years opening it, hiring all the staff, put it on retainer, working your tails off, opening it, bad review from Pete Wells in the New York Times, and all of a sudden you're closed within a year, and mm-hmm. none of that money comes back. None of it. And, yeah. and all the beautiful Sapelli wood. Mm-hmm. It's like, yep, nope, don't yeah. get that. We can't sell that. Yeah. 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 It's like, the, but that's that's insane about restaurants. Like, there's yeah. some very nice restaurants that have opened over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Literally a year in, just pulled the plug on, and everything's done. Go yeah. On. Yeah. 
There's there's definitely a tremendous appreciation to anybody opening a place. You know, when you go through it, you have to you know, it's hats yeah. off to anybody, anything. You know, at what whatever level, it's everybody's experiencing exactly that. You know, yeah. And so, so and obviously, you appreciated the intensity and what was at stake. And I remember going there a few times early on, uh, and I, I brought about this in my editor's letter. I just immediately, oh, I love this place. Great energy, vibe. It just felt like a new what a New York restaurant should be. Um, great wine, great food. Uh, but it looked, especially until Pete Wells reviewed the restaurant in Times. Didn't it seem like you guys were interested in chatting and hanging out and <laughs> still not gallivanting around the, the dining room? You were like, I am working. I mean, how many days straight did you work until that review four came out? Four months straight. Yeah, was four, four months straight without a day off. Yeah, yeah, we through the through, through the review phase, um, and literally every and, night. and pretty much after for yeah. for a bit. Yeah, yeah, we. Yeah, and a lot of people work long, long hours. Yeah. We did not take a day, a day, no, because we want, we had to be there. Was that discussed or was that just assumed? No. Just assumed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We did the same thing with Mineta and other restaurants. You just stay there until – because you never know when a critic's going to come in, but the aliases yeah. and yeah. – And Riyadh wasn't going, hey, Lee, do you mind if I go fly fishing this Saturday? Yeah. No, yeah. no. only in his like, dreams. Can- <laughs> it canceled a pretty, pretty spectacular trip. It didn't line up. But he also – it, it, yeah, critic is one thing. You know, it's health department is another thing. It's it's uh, you're still building the restaurant, and you you know we had we had to be there. So, know. and a lot of media, food industry types were coming because knowing you your work from your previous restaurants. When that when Pete came in for the first time, I assume you knew he was there in these days. Like he's not doesn't purport to be anonymous guy anymore. He's not making a reservation under his name, but you kind of, if you work, you know who he is. You can ID him, yeah. You yeah. can ID him. There are enough pros in, that have served him before that you know the minute he walked in. Do you remember what he ordered the first time? Uh, we have the uh, copies of the uh, <laughs> the orders. Really? Um, yeah, he did the full round of amuse. Uh, he had sweetbreads that first time. He had. Uh, a couple other things. First order I thought was probably the, I, would, I don't want to say the best order, but it was probably the most adventurous. And then he did a, uh, another visit where it was just dishes for two. Uh, so there were four people. They each had a dish for two. So there was, it was kind of fun. And when you were sending the food out, were you like, is that feeling like sometimes when you take a test in high I think school? It and you're like, oh, you did? Because like, there are certain times where you're like, you know what? I know that. I know I got to, like, I'm 93 on that. Like, I'm not even worried. Or were you just like. I, I think he's got to know at this point that it's never as good as just a regular customer. I, I, it's really? Not, you fuss too much. Oh. You just fuss too much. Interesting. You fuss. You fuss. You watch this thing kind of like cook and get beautiful, and then you, you you just fuss with it a little too much, and then watch it go horrible. Lee, do you agree? Just go right to off. a certain extent. Yes, it doesn't yeah. go horrible, but <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> plus we have so, into the, the two of us. We have yeah, so much horrible. self. I mean, you have self doubt. You're like, oh, that must. You always think the worst. Uh, that's it. Sometimes, uh, there's the occasion, like, okay, that's a good one. I, I just don't think that's it's as natural a process, cooked. right? It's not. It doesn't. Yeah, you, it just, you obsess. You, you fuss, obsess too you much. Overthink. Yeah. And yeah. we've all been there yeah. in one respect it. or another in our life. The timing isn't quite as perfect, and in some ways, they, you know, just. What's well, the same thing? Like yeah. you, you're big into music and stuff. It's like it's being in the studio and obsessing over things yeah. instead of just like jamming. And yeah, being you, in a groove. yeah, you think you stink. That's what uh, that's what they say, right? So. so review comes out, very positive review. Yeah. What was that night like? Pretty good. I think I, it's <laughs> a, there's a great pa- there's a great picture of Lee taking a nap. Uh, he's right next to me on. Uh, I'm, uh, we're sitting on a banquette, and I think I'm reading. I'm looking at my phone at some text messages, and he just like 
out. <laughs> out cold. <laughs> out cold. Okay, so a couple, couple questions about the rest. Before we get to lightning round, we're doing lightning round. Are we doing all right on time, Emma? She's giving me the, like, yeah, keep it moving. Have you got the soundproofing in yet? <laughs> Soon. <laughs> Explain that, right? I, listen, I love a loud restaurant, but your restaurant, get, it, 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 you've heard this from everyone, like it can get very loud in the dining room. It's ridiculously loud, yeah. So what is it, what is it, how much does it cost? What does it take to just put in some panels like on the ceiling and a few under the tables? Is it, I would assume it's not that hard, but maybe it is that hard. There's some logistics involved. You know, A, we don't want to close. All the fixtures on the on the roof have to come down. What do you mean? I mean, on the ceiling. Uh-huh. <clears throat> we could do ceiling. stuff like that and just stick them up there like the panels we, yeah. we, we want to do something a little nicer so it's, it takes a little more organization and yeah. money to, to do that properly yeah, yeah. you know Emma, have you been to french yet no. also it's, it's really the loud bring these yeah. headphones bring and yeah. also the booths you have one thing is nice is they're large tables so you're not like cramped on the tables so you gotta yell. but the other thing is the person op- opposite you is kind yeah. of far away yeah uh, and so it all yeah. just sort of builds. Total, it's a total misstep. I think we should have, you know, had uh, had uh, a little bit more foresight, put some acoustical plastering in before before we built it. You know, I don't think we cut that necessarily from the budget, but I think we, we spent more time um, insulating for the the neighbors upstairs. Yeah. I think, uh, that, yeah. I think that also that's right, that's right thoughtful of you. No, uh, that also had an effect because they're so well insulated above us. The back. sound is absolutely oh, no, trapped back. where it yeah, is. Yeah, uh, you know, so there are a couple. But of that's what's fascinating about a restaurant is that you, you learn so much and you don't know until the place is actually up and running and full of people and people at a certain volume and whatnot and the music yep. playing and all that. You've heard me complain about this. I, I'm, I'm not going to back down on this one. Fries can be too salty. Back going back to Minetta days. There's so much. Have you ever watch chefs like you like salt fries? You got your little metal bowl and you're tossing the fries in there, and it's just like handful after handful of salt. I'm like, why are you putting that much salt in your French fries? Two healthy pinches. It burns your lips. Wait a second. It, you said it's numbing. Chefs, chefs like us. So you experience this everywhere, or just oh, at numerous restaurants? At numerous places. So it yes. might it might not be just a sensitivity to salt. No, it's not. Sense, I love salt. I'm yeah. just saying it's an insensitivity that line cooks have to salt because they're, they salt everything so much, and then they don't it a or they don't taste it, or if they do taste it, they've been eating salt all night, and it's just like guys, just like go a little easier on the salt. So you're one of those one percenters that feel that our fries are oversalted. Now, other people, I'm one of the persons who actually appreciates the details. <laughs> And most people don't, and they just eat whatever they're given. Oh, I see. And it's like you can. I, I want. I, I want my fries salted. I just don't want my fries oversalted. Uh, for the viewers at home, uh, when the order comes in, and uh, you know it's a Adam's order, it's um, please no extra salt on the fries, I say fries and please fries wipe the bowl lightly, before you light, toss light, the fries. <laughs> lightly okay. salted. That's all I say. And wipe lightly the bowl. That, that, I never said wipe the bowl. That, that's that, not true. That has been a modifier on a ticket. Someone else said that. I, li- I appreciate that. Lightly <laughs> salt the bowl. Uh, another thing I love, one more thing about uh, your restaurant, love the wine list, uh, your wine guy, Jorge, what you brought over from Wild Air and Contra, um, all natural wine list. At what point did you decide to go in that direction? Because what I really appreciate about it is, and I wrote about this also, you have this very sort of rich modern take on traditional French food, but the wine is very zippy and bright and light, and it doesn't knock you out and kind of put you on your ass. At what point did you say, you know what, we're going to go with an all natural list? Pretty early on. I mean, as soon as we started concepting the restaurant, we were yeah. like, definitely. That's what we drink. So yeah. that's what we yeah. wanted. We knew, we knew Jorge was going to be our guy. We knew it was going to be natural wine. And, you know, yeah. part of 
concepting and, and we, we talk about it. we didn't really concept either we just we followed our instincts followed our guts and followed the way we like to eat and the way and what we would want in a restaurant mm-hmm. so it wasn't this like you know this that's, big vision board yeah, of, 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 of of things and we we were very conscious uh, early on to sort of not retread you know yeah however what that's done. what you want to drink but you guys have some big ticket diner slash clients slash supporters who have eaten your food over the years that's not what they want to drink well we'd hope that they would trust us and <laughs> and, and and come along for the ride and experience something a little differently i think you know it's but it's, you guys I, but there, you do have certain people who want like bring their own wine or absolutely something, right? yeah, yeah. It's, you're it's like if that's what you want to do sure we don't allow in a corkage fee <laughs> actually we don't do a corkage fee really yeah so who was that guy there was that time i was there one time <laughs> and the ta- next table over was serena williams and her yeah. husband with this couple and the guy was getting up first of all he was walking to the server station yeah. to grab his own bottle of perrier because yeah. he didn't want to drink the salty catalan water that you guys serve and he was serving that, and then I think he had his own I mean, wine. Who does also. who does stuff like that? I don't Seriously. know this, this big money guy who was <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly. It's not. It's it's it's. it's I love it's, he brought, he brought it's his so own absurd water to us, and it's and just made us wine. dig in a little bit more. And it's not yeah. to be inhospitable, yeah. okay? But you know, there's a, there's a, there's a reason for you know, it's it's kind of thought out. That's why I want less salt in my fries because the water is so salty. Well, well we, we could did, have the other water. There's what, what is the salty water called again? Vichy Catalan. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's the natural wine of water. <laughs> the natural wine of water. Uh, all right, so uh, Frenchette open up there on West Broadway in Tribeca. You've made it a year and a half? A year and a month. year and a month. Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. You're, you guys are still together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mazel tov on that. We're going to ask you some uh, some quick lightning round questions. Oh, boy. Either or. you got to answer them. Either one you guys can answer. I didn't even know we even said who's who, by the way. That's good. You're Riyadh. We're one person. Yeah, he's <laughs> We're an organism. Riyadh. Uh, <laughs> bar seat or banquette? As far as what we prefer? Yeah. If you're going, if you're going to French. Lightning round. Oh. Yeah. Banquet. Banquet. I mean, I like both, but if I have to choose, then I take a banquet. Ascot or pocket square? I'm an Ascot guy. How many Ascots do you own? Well, I don't, but I like a, na- a handkerchief around my neck. <laughs> <laughs> you just take the same handkerchief and put it around your neck instead of in your pocket. Yeah, and I usually blow my nose in it and then put it around my head when I'm on the line. Uh, Riette or pâté? Pâté. Riette. Do you have a favorite kind of Riette? Oh, Riette. Yeah, duck or pork is fine. Yeah, Riyadh. <laughs> Pet net or champagne? Pet net. Mm, wow, made the leap. Yeah, wow, it's awesome. Really? Yeah, I go both ways. Also? No, I go natural grower champagne. Natural grower <laughs> compromise. All right, there you go. Steak or frite? Steak frite. They go together. No, no, you get one with less salt. You get you get one. It's a journey. Frite. Yeah, it ultimately becomes the frites and the steak sauce, the drippings. I yeah. love the steak. Track or casino? Yeah. Um, casino. I used to like the track and I experienced something. You know, I, I saw a horse, you know, break its leg, oh, no. rounding. Ooh. Yeah, and this was at uh, Breeders' Cup, and that has just taken me I'm off of horse racing 100%. Although I do kind of keep an eye on it a little bit from afar. So I'll say casino. Misfits or Metallica? Misfits. Misfits. Wow. I'm glad you guys are on the same page. Yeah. Gougere or Bellini? Gougere. Yeah, I like, uh, like Bellinis. 
and caviar. Blues yeah, and caviar. Yeah. He's a fancy guy. You got the champagne. It's, There's it's, fancy Riyadh and so like every man Lee over I, here. I, I like it. Yeah. yeah. Goatee or ponytail? Oh, that's easy. <laughs> Goatee. I, mean, that's, yeah. I have no choice. Yeah. <laughs> you have no choice. Do you remember Lee when he had hair? Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't much to remember either. It was awesome. Noma or Bocuse? Uh, Bocuse. Bocuse. Yeah. Keep it at old school. Uh, yeah. slap, slap shot or wrist shot? Oh, man. Nobody just rears wrist. back and, like, blasts one anymore. Did you ever yeah. play hockey when you were a kid? Yeah, sure. That's, uh, that was, we, we, we played hockey together for a little while. Yeah, where? I got Chelsea Pierce. Chelsea Pierce. Yeah, yeah. We had a team at Balthazar. Well, it was in the Balthazar team, but we had a, a few restaurant folks yeah, who yeah. were on our team. Who got in more fights? He's a hothead. He's a hot, yeah. Yeah. I usually have to break it up. <laughs> and, there wasn't, and there's some shoving occasionally, you know. So. Yeah. Uh, Wellfeet or Bellon? Bellon. Yeah, but uh, they're too big for me. Yeah, I can't deal with those. You don't. You don't like Just, a, It's a lot of oyster. Too briny for you. I, I don't mind the briny. <laughs> where you know I was? I was um, uh, at that um, Le Baron Rouge in Paris, that mm-hmm, old school mm-hmm. oyster bar um, with the, the oysters from the north. It was shocking how briny they were oh, compared yeah. to American oysters. Yeah. Just like the natural saltiness of yeah, them. Was, yeah, I was like, yeah, holy yeah, cow. The metallic. And, yeah, yeah there, you really tasted it's it. It's like a battery. couple more before we let you go. Roast chicken for two or cote de boeuf for two? Man, this is a tough question. There's a time and place for both. I mean, I love a cote de boeuf, but the roast chicken with mashed potatoes is pretty, yeah. is the ultimate in comfort. Yeah, you, yeah. you guys do it, cut it up, you then is do you have like a plank of baguette with like sort yeah. of chicken liver smeared on it or what's on the it's on the baguette garlic butter. It's like garlic it's what? butter. Drippings and garlic oh, butter. Dri- so it's all that funkiness is yeah. just a drippings. Yeah, we yeah. just like soak it's almost like a French toast type of yeah. thing Ooh. with, uh, with roast chicken French toast. Yeah. <laughs> uh well I this I'm gonna ask this last question even though I feel like I don't need to, but we always do. Uh butter or olive oil? Come on. <laughs> that's easy. Yeah, that's butter. Butter. Butter, 100%. Uh, Riyad Nasser, Lee Hansen, thanks for coming by. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks uh, for having us. Thanks. The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Carrie Polis and Christina Che and produced and edited by Emma Wartsman. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Wartsman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.